0: Excited to be here with you this morning. It's been a while since I've been here, but I greet you in the name of Isa Al Masi, Jesus the Messiah. Thank you for all that you do to keep us out there. And uh, thank you to uh, Pastor Denny for the friendship. I'm kind of on staff here. You don't see me very much, but I'm the guy in the jungle. Denny's the guy back here, and your uh, staff here at the church, you folks, keep us out there, and many others, and for that, we are thankful. The way it works, uh, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, it's kind of like uh, the funding is in that Great Commission, you know? It's kind of like a mutual fund where everybody uh, gives to the the Great Commission fund and the uh, Uh, Comma Advance Fund. We're with Comma Services, and uh, what the international workers get out there is kind of distributed evenly, and when the economy in America goes down, then what we get out there goes down as well, and when the economy is soaring, uh, well, what we get remains the same, but um, that (laughs) that's the way it works and so we are so thankful for your partnership in keeping us out there you know like i live out in the bush as you saw in the video and when we come back to north america it takes a little bit of an adjustment for us i've got two boys they're both in college soccer players any soccer players here uh what a great way to to serve the lord we're using it my boys kind of launched our uh, our program you can go on uh, on the uh on the internet, go to uh, papuunited.com. Now, don't do that right now. I know how everybody's tied to their technology, but after the service is over, you can see a little bit about what we're what we're about there. As I was thinking about uh, this morning, last night I didn't sleep very good, um, and and I was thinking, Lord, what is it that you want me to share? And it, you know what? What I want to share with you this morning is this one message that everybody has to do something. No matter where we're located geographically in the world, all of us need to play a part in this great missionary cause that we are a part of. You know, we have something that is so wonderful, we can't just keep it to ourselves, this grace of God. When I was a junior in high school, I came to understand what the grace of God was all about. I work with people who are all trying to make sacrifices and do great things to keep God happy. But when I was in high school, I came to understand that no matter how good I tried to be, I could never be good enough. And, you know, anything that I do that is bad can be forgiven when I accept what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for me. If you're not familiar with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, we exist in 81 countries of the world. And uh, we are uh, located all over the place, um, started by Dr. A.B. Simpson in uh, New York City, he had a big church there uh, Going great guns And he had a passion for the world And for the lost and for the street kids And the prostitutes and the poor And his big church was giving him a great salary And they said, we want you to preach on Sunday We don't want you to be going out there into the streets And Dr. A.B. Simpson left that And he launched the Christian and Missionary Alliance And, uh That church that he was pastoring now is a boarding house. People rent it, but the Christian Missionary Alliance exists in 81 countries of the world. You know, uh, we were sitting in the airport the other day, and I was noticing some things about America. See, I grew up overseas. I grew up in a Stone Age culture. My parents were missionaries, and they went to the field in 1956 and ministered along with... George Boggs, who just died this last week. And uh, they went there into a tribe of people that were using stone implements. They were used Tribal warfare was going on around us. I remember as a kid waking up in the morning and seeing the long lines of warriors going off to war. And if they had killed people in battle, then uh, they would uh, come back and have a victory dance. If some of their people had been killed, then they would... Um, Have a funeral and I remember those were not very pleasant times as they would make sacrifices It was very common to chop off the fingers of of little girls and uh, most of the women in our village now They don't have fingers that they have chopped off because uh, to keep the ancestors happy And uh, so I grew up in that culture there and, uh, you know, over there, we eat everything that, uh, that moves, basically My boys grew up eating lizards and spiders and frogs And, you know, culture determines what is edible or not Like, like over there, those things are all good to eat Now, when you come back here, you don't eat dogs But, oh, you know what, dog meat is pretty good stuff But uh, I've noticed now that I've been back in North America, coming back here, how much you value your pets. I saw a guy walking in the store the other day, shopping with a dog on his shoulder and in the cars. Isn't that a distraction when you're driving to have a dog sitting next to you? Um, But anyway, um, it was just uh, interesting for me to observe this culture. But at the airport, I noticed that nobody was talking. Of the 27 people waiting for the airplane... I got in at three in the morning, but uh, everybody was playing on their technology, talking to people far away. I just wanted to talk to people, but they were talking to somebody far away. Uh, I, I said to my wife, I'm going to go down and get some coffee. So I went down the hall to get some overpriced coffee. And uh, when I got a guy started talking to me and I felt so happy. And as I, as I got close, I said, excuse me. And then he went right by I realized he was talking On one of those Bluetooth things And he wasn't talking To me uh, at all But international workers When we come back here We're astounded By all the choices That you have As you go to a grocery store And you see the aisles Of potato chips And can you really eat That many kinds Of potato chips Like I don't know how, Yep you can uh, <laughs> Miss vickys They're the best But uh, the choices are uh, abundant here. And when you look before you at the careers that you have, the opportunities for education, the, uh, the, the choices are many as well. And my hope this morning is that maybe some will close their options and make a choice to start taking some steps in the direction to be involved in God's great global cause. Because I believe that Everybody's got to do something. Everybody has to play uh, a part here. Um, You know what? I have a text this morning. And uh, in uh, the Donnie Bible, it says, uh, don't work for sweet potatoes that will spoil. That means, like in John 6, 27, it says, don't work for meat that will spoil. And uh, I have thought about that. And my challenge to you this morning is that we all focus on uh, the calling that God has given to us and to uh, work for things that will last for eternity. As you have your life before you, be asking the Lord what part that he would have you to play. As the musicians were leading us in worship this morning, I was thinking in my heart, man, I wish I could sing and play like that. But I can't. That's not the gifting that I have. The guys in the sound booth, the the ability and technology, that is a gifting that they have. But maybe God has given you some type of gifting That you can use in his uh, global cause I uh, uh, heard the story from my father Who was a missionary, Ed Maxey Some of you have probably met him I called him yesterday He said he was at this church about 30 years ago But uh, he, uh, when he went into the Balim Valley He took with him a gift to, to give to the people It was a dog tooth necklace That he had received in another tribe And he took it in and he gave it to the chief of the tribe and he said, now let's be friends. You don't kill me and we'll live in peace and uh, I'll tell you about Jesus. And uh, so he gave it to the chief of the village and after several years the people were not responding to the gospel. All they wanted was steel axes and machetes and And things like that dog tooth necklace. And my father was in the village and he said, won't you choose something that we we bring you? You can live forever. You don't have to be sacrificing to the ancestral spirits. And the chief said, we don't want those things. But do you have any more of those dog tooth necklaces? My father said he went back to the house kind of uh, sad. But a few days later, he heard that the chief died. So my father went back to the village. And he saw that the young son of the chief was now wearing that dog tooth necklace. And so my father said, I told that young chief now, I said, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told your father. There are some things in this world, like that dog tooth necklace that you're wearing, that aren't going to last. But there are some things, like the Jesus talk that we bring you, that will live forever. You can have eternal life. And the young chief said, we're not interested. We don't want that. But we want the things that you bring us, like salt. They love salt. They didn't have salt. And knives and steel axes and the dog tooth necklace. Several years went by, and that young chief also died. And my father went to the funeral there and said the same thing. But the people said, we got rid of that dog tooth necklace. And they had sold it to the Mumnoak clan way down in the lowlands. And uh, then the people started responding to the gospel. There was in the village of Walgaruk, Danny, where you were, where we now have a Bible school, um, there was our first baptism in the tribe. And early the next morning, the people from Mumnuak came over, and with their axes, they chopped up the wife of our evangelist and the little baby, and one of those warriors was wearing that dog tooth necklace. As the people were telling me about this dog tooth necklace, I thought, man, I wish I could get my hands on that thing. That, there's a story behind it. And the people said, oh, no, you don't want to go down there. Those people will kill you. They're so mean. So I went off to high school and I graduated from high school. My father came to my graduation and when I was a senior in high school, he gave me the dog tooth necklace i said where did you get it he said oh i was able to negotiate with that tribe and uh, i bought it for a couple steel axes and so he gave it to me and he said i want to tell you the same thing that i told those villagers Way back then Don't live your life For things that will be destroyed That things that will be lost But live your life For things that will live forever That will go on For sweet potatoes that will never rot And that's the message that I want to bring you this morning If you're living your life for the wrong things Maybe today is the day to do it Maybe you haven't started walking the Jesus trail My friends this, The grace of God is too wonderful It is accepting what Christ did on the cross so that we can have eternal life. The scripture said these things are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. And that's the message that we take out into the world. It doesn't mean making a a sacred trip to a holy city somewhere or keeping the fast or or sacrificing. It is accepting the sacrifice of Jesus for us. And that is a wonderful message that we have. I... uh, I return to the verse, John 6, 27. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that lasts for eternity. Don't work for sweet potatoes that are going to rot, as it says in our Dani Bible. You don't have to memorize that, but that means don't work for sweet potatoes that are going to rot. Remember that it's only God's word and God's people that are going to live forever. So spend your time on those things. This uh, global cause that we are involved in in the Christian and Missionary Alliance is too important to keep to ourselves. Everybody has to do something. You remember that story when uh, uh, the spies went out to to spy out the land and, and the spies came back with a negative report, except Caleb and Joshua in that great story said, no, we can go do it because look at all the great things that God has done for us. And look at your church here, all the great things that God has done for you here. Look at his amazing power and ability to equip us, weak messengers, to go into the world. The... uh Spies said we are like grasshoppers in their eyes and you know when you look at the needs of the world you look at the poverty and the violence and all of those things that are happening you say how can I make such a difference you know what we can't do everything but we can do something and what we can do let's do it with the help of God. We are working in the largest Muslim country of the world. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're not making much progress. But it's such a wonderful thing when they come and say, man, we see that that you're not an infidel. We see that you're a person of peace. Tell us more about what you're doing. Remember when that tsunami hit Asia? We were in there. Alliance workers were in there all over the place. And we were able to spend time with them, getting into their hearts and living with them. And they were able to see... They said, have we been led astray by our religious teachers? We see that when we're hurting, even after we have abused and killed and burned down the houses of Christ followers, they call us the Nasrani, when we are in need, it's all the Christ followers that come and help us. And that's what's happening in Syria today and and, uh, in those places where we have people working in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Caleb and Joshua said, shut up, guys. We can go up and possess the land. Let's do it. Don't be afraid. Look at all the great things that God has done. You know, wherever we go in the world, whether it's in Butler or in Papua, Indonesia, we are facing giants, challenges of all kinds. In your work, in your communities, in your marriages, in your families, you face difficulties sometimes that leave your heart's uh, Hurting and and cause you to want to uh, fight back. We have uh, all kinds of problems where we come from. Giants in our land as well. We have had a horrible church split. I know some of you have been praying about that. When the churches are fighting against each other and there's no justice and the government won't do anything to protect our people. We have the giant of AIDS where we are people are dying all the times of a virus that they know so little about. And so Myrna and I are putting information onto... uh, Uh, Into different languages and getting on airplanes and helicopters and going out into remote areas to To share the message of purity before marriage and faithfulness in marriage and um, It is uh, We've got a team together that goes out and does those kinds of things We have information on all the little airplanes that people that are riding on the airplanes they can read we have Put a video that's been shown on indonesian tv Uh, That I use soccer players to, to do that There are giants in the land But there are no giants that are too big That can stand against the power of God It can get discouraging at times No matter where we are But it's the Lord who has sent us out and we're not going to leave until God tells us to go someplace else. Uh, Several years ago, they were trying to throw me out of the country and the police held me in the police station and and they said, uh, you know what, I'm going to hold you here until I decide whether to deport you or not. And I just sat there for many... uh, Hours in silence and I was praying, Lord, wake up the Alliance women wherever they are in the world so that they'll be praying for me. After several hours, the man let me go, the head of the police intelligence, and uh, I went home and I said, Myrna, send an email uh, out so people will pray. Technology isn't all bad. Some of it is good because we can get prayer requests out to people. And an uh, email went out. Some of you received it and were praying for us. And two weeks later when... Uh, the head of the military or police called me in. He said, you know what? I've been looking at your case and you have done nothing wrong. In fact, we need more people like you. Can you go back to America and recruit more missionaries to come out here and help? If it wasn't for the missionaries, our country would be going nowhere. And I said, Payan, do you know how many people have been praying for you by name all over the world? He said, yeah, thank you so much. But his heart was changed when people uh, prayed and you prayed as well. We also in Papua, we have the, the, the giant of a language. We have 20% of the world's languages are on the island of New Guinea where we are. There's Papua New Guinea and then we're Papua Indonesia. So there are over a thousand languages on our island. And I don't know why God did it that way, but he did, and so that leads to some challenges. We are doing a translation of the Bible. Before my mother passed away, she had translated the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs, and then the job was given to us. So we have two guys that are doing the translation out there, um, Amos and Enos. And uh, it's kind of a cool project because these guys out in the jungle are doing the translation. They give it to us and we send it to Calgary, Alberta, Canada where there's 12 Alliance people that get together and do the keyboarding. And then they put it on Dropbox and send it out to us. We print it out and get it back out into the jungle where the guys make the corrections. So it's this kind of this uh, cool international project going on to translate the N'Galik full Bible. And I hope that before I pass that that Bible will be completed. So be praying about that project with us. We have the giant of seeing the job is too big. Uh, so often, like we feel like we're in over our heads. Do you hit nutrition or kids' schooling or tribes that are lost in remote areas or poverty or families that are falling apart or the glue sniffing that the kids are all involved in? How can we do it all? We can't do everything, but we can do something. And what we can do, we will do with. With the help of God, we have the problems of, of tribal warfare. Often there are uh, wars that are going on. These are warlike people, and so they often break out into a war. Uh, it's not, uh, don't believe what you see on the movies of what Hollywood tries to make us think about everybody holding hands and dancing around a fire. It's not always like that. But uh, a few years ago, they came to me and they said, you know what, our tribe, we've been fighting. Will you come help us make peace? I kind of put them off a little bit, but the pastor of the church said, no, they, could, could you come? We need, we need help. The 28 people had been killed And so I said, we'll go down and talk to the helicopter pilot. If he wants to go, then we'll go. So we went down. He said, this is important. Let's go. So I got on the helicopter and I flew over uh, the mountains about a half an hour through the jungle. And uh, as we came to this place, I saw that all the houses had been burnt down. And uh, on one side of the ravine was all these warriors with their weapons On the other side of the ravine were a couple hundred other warriors with all of their weapons, and they had been fighting. And so I just prayed in my heart, Lord, take us to where you want us to go. And uh, I said, land over there. So the pilot landed by the tribe of people. They all had their weapons up, which meant they were still at war. I got out of the helicopter, and uh, a strange thing happened that I've never experienced before. But uh, a silence came over everybody. Everybody's got their pig's tusks through their nose and war paint. And uh, the chief there, he kind of got teary-eyed. And then he started crying. And then everybody else started crying. And then for about 20 minutes, all of these warriors were sobbing. I've never seen anything like it. I hadn't even said anything. And then when everything stopped, the chief got up and he said, when you got out of the helicopter, he reminded us of the missionary that came to our tribe 30 years ago and he told us not to kill each other, to love one another and to follow Jesus. And I said, well, that's why I've come. I said, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to make peace? And he said, uh, we kind of hesitated a little bit. And I said, who's the spiritual leader here? Because they've heard the gospel. They have spiritual leaders in their areas. They have a church building. But yet they were fighting. And I said, uh, who's the spiritual leader? And a guy kind of sheepishly put down his weapons and he came. I said, I'm going to take you to the enemy side. Are you willing to go? You go talk to him. He got in the helicopter, and I took him over to the enemy side. When we landed there, I got one of the guys over there. I said, who's the spiritual leader here? They gave me a guy. I took him over to the uh, other side, and I said, I'm going home. Tomorrow I'll be back. You guys talk about it, and I'll be back. We got home. That night I said to Myrna, man, if those guys kill, kill those guys, this, this will be a rotten story. And, but in, in the morning I got up, and I went, got the helicopter pilot. I said, let's go. So we flew back. Uh, over the jungle and I was anticipating what I would see had they made peace or not and my heart sunk again because this time there were thousands of warriors on one side of the ravine thousands on the other and they still had their weapons up when they lay their weapons down that means we're ready for peace they weren't ready for peace and then I saw in the middle of the ravine a little group of people and they were standing around a cross that they had planted there So I told the helicopter pilot, land by that cross. So we got out, and I said, guys, what's going on? And it was all of the pastors that had gotten together, and they said, we're trying to call them to peace. I said, well, is it working? And they said, well, here, here's a megaphone. And they gave me this big megaphone, and they said, talk to him. So I grabbed the megaphone, and I said, I am not a chief. I come in the name of the Lord of the universe, and he says to love one another. And in the passion of the moment, I, I threw the megaphone down, and I went, and I pulled the cross up out of the ground, and then I started running up and down the hill, just yelling at the top of my, uh, you know, m- my lungs, love one another, love, you know, whatever I could. And uh, then a big roar went up And then I said, okay, if you're willing to make peace today Send down representatives from each side That has lost somebody in the fighting And it was one of the most moving things I've seen Is there was this trickle of people coming down to the cross Everybody that had lost loved ones in the fighting And they gathered at the cross there And we prayed for them And they said, well, it's not a done deal yet Until the war chief agrees to it So they went back up to their sides, and I chased them with my uh, um, camera. I want you to see this clip. <laughs> well, that wasn't fast forward, but uh, it it, <laughs> it worked, and. Peace came and then they all gathered there and they made an archway out of bamboo and everybody ran through this archway symbolizing new birth. And as they went through, they broke their bows and arrows and threw them down and peace came to the area. Then they gave gifts to one another and you know what? I didn't have anything to do with it. God's spirit was already working in their hearts, making them aware of what they had been doing, the wrong in their lives and all I had to do was go there and uh, show my face, and peace came. I want to ask you, do you have peace with them today? The, the uh, peace that came to our tribe, that's what this missionary stuff is all about. We have peace with God, and then we can have peace with each other. We have a gospel that works. That's all that it claims to be, that changes people's lives. Um, a few years ago, uh, your pastor and his wife came out and visited us, and uh, they helped us build a little Bible school. And the teacher of the Bible school, he only has a sixth grade education, but now for 15 years, he's been running this little Bible school. And uh, another project that the kids in the uh, Sunday school helped with was building a Sunday school class for the kids out there. And that Sunday school actually expanded. Now it's a Sunday school on Sunday and a medical clinic during the week. And I have two women who came to me on their own, two Muslim background believers in Jesus who came, and they are running the Mary and Martha Health Initiative there. And uh, you know what? We make little attempts as we go Um, we might not be able to do great things, but the little things that we do, we ask the Lord to go before us and he anoints it. You know, uh, Caleb and Joshua, they were a minority as they went. They were the lone voices, but they kept saying, if we're able to take the land, because even though they look more powerful than us, uh, we can take the land because God is on our side. Basically, what they were saying was realign your thinking. And uh, so often, I uh, see that our values and our attitudes are determined by the culture in which we live. And, uh, you know, my boys, when I brought them to America, they, didn't, they hadn't worn shoes for a real long time. And to get them to wear shoes was a real challenge. I remember picking them up at school, and my son ripped off his shoes, and he said, it's like my feet are in prison here. But, uh, you know, like... Um, We took them to the park, and they... Remember, we eat anything that moves over there. And they saw squirrels were coming up to us. And I noticed both my boys went down for rocks and sticks because they thought maybe this would be a good meal. My point is, their attitudes toward the squirrels was determined by their culture in which they they grew up. And I, growing up on the mission field... Even when I was six years old, a group of women from Chicago sent me out a pair of shoes. And my mother said that when I put those shoes on, the first thing I said was, will the people say that I'm a chief now? Because everybody wants to be a big man. Everybody wants to be a chief. And my values had been shaped by the people that I was living among. What about you? What are your values that are being shaped by a culture? Maybe things that are not so in line with the values of God. We have a soccer ministry in Papua. I said, w, uh, what is it? Uh, PapuaUnited.com You can find out information about that or go to the comma services website. But uh, I love soccer because it gives kids an opportunity to come, become a part of a family. In those families of soccer, we're able to share the gospel, we're able to tell them uh, about HIV and AIDS, and to have um, mentors. I have 14 soccer coaches that train these kids not only to play good soccer, but to uh, be godly men and women. We want leaders. This summer, I'm taking 12 American soccer players and one Spanish guy over to Papua with us. We're going to join together with our Papua United soccer team, and we are going to travel through Indonesia, from Java to Sorong to uh, Sentani, different places, uh, using soccer for, for this kind of ministry. And uh, one of my best soccer coaches, a guy named Jimmy Dean, he was in jail two years ago. In jail, he uh, just, he had embezzled some money. And uh, he asked the police for a Bible. The police brought him a Bible. He, he started reading it nonstop for four days. When he got out, I put him through a training course. And he's just so thankful for what God has done in his life. Another soccer coach um, was Pedro Taboni. was a local drunken thief. And uh, he was drunk one night on a motorcycle, had an accident, and a guy was killed in it. God used that, and uh, he repented, and now he is one of our more committed soccer coaches out there. Uh, Reni Iqua, a single mother. God's gotten a hold of her life. And the captain of our boys' team is a guy named Mello. He was a street kid sniffing glue. He used to uh, steal so that he could buy glue. Glue is a new introduction in our tribal people there. Alcohol and glue is a, is a hard thing for them. But... Uh, He, uh, a missionary lady there, took him in, taught him Bible stories, encouraged him to go to school. He went to school, got into a a small group of other guys. They made a commitment to serving the Lord, and uh, he is walking on. He wants to get baptized this week, or this this year. We work with a ragtag bunch of people, but uh, they all have one thing in common. If it wasn't for soccer and God's grace... They probably wouldn't be alive. They serve with their talents, uh, thankful for what has happened to them. And uh, every one of them realizes that they've messed up, but are forgiven and God can use them. And he can use you too. Are you unsure of yourself? Maybe insecure. Maybe you're saying, well, what, how can God ever use me? What could I ever do? And uh, my encouragement to you, especially if you're a young person, offer your life to Him and ask the Lord what it is that He would like to do with your life. Maybe you feel insecure about something. Maybe you're, you're, you're from a family that, is, that has fallen apart. How could God use you? God uses the weak things of the world, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, because He is the boss. He's a great God, and He can use us. When I was in high school, I took speech, and uh, I hated it. I was so scared to get up in front of people to talk. My friends said that my voice was shaking so badly they could hardly understand what my speech was about and my my hands were shaking. I had to keep them behind my back. And I remember walking down and I said, God, I will serve you, but whatever you do, don't make me get up in front of people and talk. (laughs) You know what? I want to share with you if there's not anything else you get. I believe so often that God wants to use us in our weaknesses. And sometimes the things that we feel the weakest in is what God wants to use us the most in. Let me say that again. Sometimes the things that we feel the weakest in is what God wants to use us the most in. And uh, I want you to think about that as you leave this morning. God, how can you use What I feel I am so weak in. Unsure of yourself? Just take the next right step. You know what? There's a lot of giants in the land. But there's also the belief that we can't make a difference. God has a role for us all to play. Indeed, there are hardships. And we are weak. And we have hard backgrounds. And there are frustrations. Let's go in and possess the land. I told you about the dog tooth necklace. I graduated from high school, and I went through Europe with my friend, and we were hitchhiking through there, and I sent my dog tooth necklace and my soccer cleats to an uh, address to pick up after the summer was over. But when I got to that address, my package wasn't there, my heart sank, and I flew back across the Atlantic Ocean having lost something that had become a symbol for me. When I was at Nyack one day I got a slip that said come to the post office there's a package for you and I went there and it was my package my friend's uncle was a big time businessman in New York City and he'd pulled some strings and found my package and he returned my dog tooth necklace to me. And I took it with me through college. I hung it on my wall. Through ministry, I put it on my wall. I took it to Papua to remind me not to live my life for things that are going to perish. So I came back to North America this time, and I decided to bring it with me because I wanted to show it to you. And I wish I had 500 to give it to everybody in this auditorium, for me, it's one of the most valuable things that I have because it's come to represent living your life for the wrong things. Young person, you have your life before you. You haven't chosen what you're going to do with your life. Is today the day that maybe you say, God, I'm living my life for the wrong reasons. I want to live it for your cause. Hook me in somehow. I am going to start reading missionary books and biographies. I am going to start researching. I'm going to plug into the women's prayer group here at the church. I am going to make myself available to be discipled by somebody in this church. Because I want God to use me. And that is the message that I want to share. All of us have to do something. Everybody has to be involved in God's global cause. What is God calling you to do? I don't want to waste my life for a dog tooth necklace or for a car or for, a, for a money or for anything like that. When it's all over, I want to stand before God and say, I have served you, Lord, with my life. I want to live my life for a high and noble cause. How can we do that? We can pray. Hook into the prayer initiatives here. Maybe we can Invest. As I was flying up here this morning, my mind went back to one of the last times I was in Pennsylvania. And I thought of a guy named Chad Morley, who I had met in a church back in Cottersport, where Pastor Denny was pastoring. And I remember speaking about uh, trying to help the farmers out there. And uh, all week I had been sharing about the Holy Cow Project, because I wanted to provide calves to some of the local people so that they could start cattle projects and this kid came up to me and he gave me an envelope and I remember it was real thick and so I that night I went home and I opened up and there was 348 dollars in there and I'm like we better check this out so I said pastor can you call up the family so he called up uh, the Morley family and Miranda and said yeah it's legit he's been saving talking all week about using his Christmas money and his birthday money to help you in your cow project. And I took that sacred money back with me and I bought some calves and I gave them to my friend Sanko Kerdá. And Sanko started raising cows and then he started butchering cows And he has a herd of 80 cattle that he has now. He has put himself through university. He's planted a church, the Moria Church, where we built the Sunday school program. And uh, has uh, been able to help other evangelists with some of the cattle. And has built himself a nice house and is serving the Lord. And Chad is in our service this morning. An 8-year-old boy's gift of $348 that we took over there to use. What is it that God wants you to do? Maybe to give to the Great Commission Fund or the Comma Advance Fund like you've never given before to be used by God in His global cause. Everybody has to do something. May God's cause always be before us may it be the thread that is woven through every program that you have here at this Alliance Church. The founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance had a passion for mission. He never became a foreign missionary. He stayed in America. But this global cause that A.B. Simpson was a part of exists all over the place. Simpson, talking about mission, said, let our churches exist for this. Let our missionaries, our ministers preach for this. Let our seminaries and our colleges be on fire with this one theme. Let our homes be furnished and our wardrobes be purchased in reference to this. And let a whole army of true hearts prove to the world around and to the heavens above that they understand the meaning of the cross of Calvary, the cry of dying souls, and the glory of the coming King. My friends of Butler... Don't live your life for a dog-tooth necklace or for anything else in this world. Let's go over and possess the land. Everybody needs to do something. What part will you play? God's peace be upon you, Lord. Will you bless these people here? And maybe there's an eight-year-old boy in the crowd that you would begin to speak to their hearts this morning about the role that you should play. In Jesus' name, amen.